Dealers for details. The fourth-ranked Iowa women's basketball team will try to make it 11 wins in a row when they host Michigan State tonight. Hawkeyes are 2-0 in the Big Ten. In the men's game, Iowa's in action on the road against Wisconsin. Drake is home for Illinois State. A pair of unbeaten teams appearing in the CFP championship game for the first time will go head-to-head in Houston on Monday with top-ranked Michigan battling number 2 Washington for the title. I'm Doug Thompson. For the win. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, where every Tuesday get two for one on the best wings in town. Score! This is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Hour number two, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon and Ken Miller with you until 1 o'clock. John Bowenkamp coming up on the Hawkeyes. We will recap the Citrus Bowl with John and preview Wisconsin and Iowa tonight. It's a 6 o'clock tip on the Hardwood in Madison. Big Ten Network has it. If you can't be in front of your TV, of course, tune the dial to 100, oh, 1040 uh, WHO. Let's get to Bama Bob. You know what the music means. We recap college football from over the weekend. Uh, and Let's get into it. Bama Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. Happy New Year, Bama Bob, how are you? To you, we're doing great. Happy New Year to you as well. And as I said last night, I like West Coast Kim because, you know, <laughs> West Coast Kim is up past 9 o'clock and actually gets to see the end of these games. No, it was unbelievable last night. You know, to, to that point... Um, <laughs> And you're 100% right. If I was in Ankeny, I would not have seen the end until this morning. And I'm glad I watched it live and was able to converse with you two knuckleheads on Twitter. One of my favorite things to do during the college football season. But I do feel bad for the East Coast, right? I mean, if you're a fan of the East Coast, what time did the Sugar Bowl end Eastern time? Because it had to be, what, almost midnight Central? So with that 1 o'clock Eastern time, that's too late. It is too late. And I've seen a lot on Twitter today. And listen, they have points. Okay, I don't know why you couldn't have kicked. It would have been a noon kick in L.A., and I get you. The Rose Bowl Parade. you got all that stuff, and I understand it, but, I mean, my goodness. It, particularly when it's on, everybody, most people are on a holiday. I mean, not everybody, obviously, but a lot of, a lot of people have New Year's Day off, but they have to go back to work the next day. Yep. Okay, so, I mean, it's a big ask to stay up until 1 in the morning on the East Coast and, you know, then have to get up at 536, whatever, you know, for your whatever time you get up. So I I understand it. I don't think it's ever going to change. I mean, there's no about – I don't know what the ratings are. I imagine they were huge Yeah. both games. I haven't yeah. seen them yet, the overnight stuff. But, you know, look, as long as the ratings are high, that's all they care about. That's all the networks care about. But I agree. Um, and maybe it was just the Rose Bowl. I don't know. I can't remember what they've been in previous years. But you would think – Four like, o'clock. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, at three o'clock or – you know, and there was a lot of – talk too and i i understand it i mean the run-up to the sugar bowl was so limited i mean it was nothing really because they for whatever reason the espn felt like they had to keep the the post game you know ceremony trophy presentation interviews whatever the on the field stuff on espn you know almost right up until kickoff of the sugar bowl and you know you could flip that to espn two or whatever um i i don't know i just i i i agree with you 100 percent um, even midnight our time, I mean, that's that's pushing it, man. I mean, um, and that's, what, two-thirds of the country, at least, you know, in the central and, and eastern time zones uh, that are going to end almost at midnight or, as you said, 1 a.m. in the east. But, again, I don't think it's going to change, especially when 
you've got these kind of ratings that I'm sure we're going to see in the next couple of days. Can you there? Yeah, I am. Sorry oh, about that. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm waiting on you. So let's let's get into it. Yeah, that's the one kerfuffle, right? When it we is, can't yeah. see each other. Uh, so, Bama, before we get into yesterday, I want to go back. Um, and I, I don't know why I wrote this note. It just felt robbed as a college football fan. Were either you guys watching the Cotton Bowl at the end of the first half when they sent the kicker out to try a 65-yard field goal <laughs> and there was a delay a game? Uh-huh. And, of course, they weren't going to get But I, didn't you want to see that? I wanted to see this kid, Mevis. We remember his brother at mm-hmm. Iowa yeah. State. He was terrific. Uh, and this Mevis is a pretty good player in his own right, but we were robbed of that. So before we get into yesterday, Bama, just obviously the Florida State-Georgia game was – a disaster, an unmitigated right. disaster that was terrible. Yep. But before we uh, look back at yesterday, just your thoughts leading up to that point. What stood out to you? Um, you know, on the field again. I, you know, and this is going to probably open some scabs. The Iowa Tennessee game. I mean, I don't know what you do if you're if you're Iowa. I mean, obviously Brian Ferentz is gone. Hopefully that fixes some stuff. The new quarterback for Tennessee looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, again. To get shut out in a bowl game, that is, that's pretty bad. Um, but, you know, you mentioned the, I mean, LSU Wisconsin was, was, you know, fun, I guess a fun game. Um, to me, I think the real, the real kicker, you know, Ole Miss Penn State was good. It was. Mm-hmm. That was a fun game. That was pretty much, uh, you know, teams at, at, at full speed, if you will. I think this Florida State Georgia game, I don't, I don't know where we're going to go with the 12 teams next year and how that, you know, is really going to be set up using these balls. But that, that one might turn out to be a little bit of a game changer. And you've seen, I mean, there's so much crap on Twitter, you know, and Florida State and Danny Cannell and all these apologists just making excuses. Look, you lost by 60 points. I don't care who you had available and who opted out or whatever else. You lost by 60 points. And it could have been 80 if Georgia would have wanted it to be. Okay. But I think that is that put enough of a stain on there that I think we might get some a little bit of change in these non-playoff bowl games. Um, and again, Trent and I talked about it a little bit. I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. But I just think whatever whatever it is now is really not working um, for these games, these minor quote unquote minor bowl games. Um, with the with the exception of like I said, the the Peach Bowl was a good one because both teams decided to show up and play. Um, you know, Liberty beating, uh, you know, losing to Oregon. That was an undefeated Liberty team losing to a Oregon team without its quarterback. So that maybe says something about group of fives going forward. Um, I don't know, but it was just, it was an overall disappointing bowl season. And there's so much around the Georgia Florida state game. I wonder if anything's going to come of it because that was just an, that was an embarrassment. It was an embarrassment to Florida state. Uh, for for fielding such a weak team, it was an embarrassment in the stands. It was an embarrassment, you know. I'm sure ESPN wasn't happy, you know, that one of those you know prime games was was just a disaster like this. I can't imagine the ratings were very good, unless it was like a NASCAR thing. You're just waiting for you know the you're watching <laughs> right. You're waiting for the big wreck to happen, and it happened early. But that 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 to me was kind of a stain on it. But overall, the bowl season, I give it like a C minus, save for the two games yesterday. And and it's and it's just it's not that oh these are the only ones that matter but those were really the only you know save for a few those were the the most competitive games and and I thought you know was it sloppy sure but I mean it was competitive it was you know four teams that that showed up and a lot of NFL talent all over the field that decided to play and 
Um, it was just a disappointing season all the way around, and it's changed, and it's probably changed forever, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't think there is a good answer, and that's kind of what we're dealing with right now. But the opportunity is now. We have two years of the 12-team playoff, and then it's right. going to go off for bid. They're going to be able to do a lot of changes at that point. We need somebody forward-thinking here. You know, I came up with the mm-hmm. cockamamie idea kind of on the fly. Instead of bowl games, have a little mini four-team tournaments across the country. Do something like that. Something needs to change because these opt-outs aren't working. The way that the financial model is now set, you're going to have to have some kind of incentive for these players to play in these kind of games. So it's changing. It's evolving. Can college football evolve with it? I don't think so, Ken. I think we kind of unfortunately understand that the reality of it is change likely isn't going to happen. And, well, the bowl games, they still get ratings, so we'll continue to put them on. There just has to be a better way. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, and I think, Trent, and look, we saw the NBA, and, and these mm-hmm. guys make tens of millions of dollars a year. Um, they put up a, what was it, 500000 which is a lot of money. Is, yeah. But yeah. to them, it's not a lot of money. I don't know how much a Bulls sponsor would pay to sponsor the, the Liberty Bowl. How much does Liberty write that check for? Mm-hmm. Maybe in the future, some of that check goes to a pool that, you know, every player on the winning team gets all 85 of them, 25 grand. Uh, maybe that keeps some of the opt outs from opting out. Maybe you stay in. I think it's look, we're paying players now. Times have changed in football. It's never going back to what it once was. Uh, and yeah. I think it's for the best. But maybe there's a prize pool. Maybe it's not 25. Maybe it's 15. Maybe it's 10. It has to be something. Somebody, and, and Trent, you kind of hit the nail on the head. We don't know what it is, but let's throw some stuff against the yes. wall and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Emma? I think that's the, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, and the, the problem with the financial inducement you know, five years ago, I think that would have worked or it would have helped. I don't know that would have worked, stopped everything. You know, so you're not going to, and I'm using him as an example. Okay. A guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. Sure. 25,000 bucks would be the number four picks. Not a lot. But now with NIL, these guys in the transfer portal, okay, these guys are going to, they're going to get, you know, five, 10 times that, you know, when just, and this is not a, this is not a star player. This is like any player is going to get that. Maybe it's a pool of, you know, uh, kind of like they do in the World Series or whatever, you know, the winning team gets, you know, 25000 a player and the losing team gets five. I don't know what it is. But so that way, at least when you're on, the, for those that decide to play, you're playing for something. You're not just playing for, you know, pride or school pride or whatever it is. I mean, you're playing for, okay, 25000 bucks here. Okay, if I decide I'm going to show up and play, maybe that'll make the games more competitive for the guys that actually show up. But but overall, the money the money's just too big. And you're right. A, a game like the Liberty Bowl, they can't you know they can't put up a five million dollar purse for everybody out there. They just don't have that money, and they don't have the sponsorships, and they're not going to get the sponsorship. So um, before NIL, I, I, I think you would have got a lot more, a lot fewer players, and maybe you just changed the calendar. I, I don't really know. I mean. You know, do these guys, maybe that. they can't. Mm-hmm. Maybe they can't opt out until you know a certain time. I, I think you're going to run into some you know legal issues there. I'm not a lawyer, but um, you know you you could have some issues there. Uh, but, you know, kid could just say, "Hey, I'm hurt." You know, and that's another thing with paying them. Okay, what what do you do with the injured players? I don't know. Well, have you heard this one, Bama? Let me interrupt you for a second. And Trent, I think that you probably heard it. And if I have it wrong, please jump in. But there's some talk that this that other than the playoff. 
The 12 teams that make the playoff, the other teams that qualify for a bowl, they start their following season with that game. Now, I don't know what that means is how you're going to keep records. I don't think this game would count in the standings, obviously, because, you know, there's going to be a whole bunch of teams that you know, didn't qualify for a bowl game that are going to, you know, be zero and zero and not playing in week zero, the last week in August. Maybe that's it. Something has to be done. Again, there's no stupid, there's no stupid answer. Throw it against yeah. the wall. Something is going to stick. Yeah. And I think no matter what you come up with, a lot of people are going to like it. A lot of people aren't. And it hate change, though. Big, we hate change. We do, but I mean, I think I think the the one thing that most people can agree on that like that love the sport like we do, the way where we're at now is not working, and I don't think it's yeah. sustainable for another three to five years just doing what we're doing. You know, in the history, and I love the history of college football. I mean, you know, going back to the Cotton Bowl and all these these the Holiday Bowl, the Alamo Bowl. We talked about it. These great great bowl games. In the history of it, I hate to say it, that a lot of that's just gone now. I mean, it, it, the, the way the sport has changed, and yeah, we want to keep that. We want to keep the bowl system, and you know, guys like Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, and I've seen all these other coaches come out and you know, kind of lamenting this a little bit. But you know, they're they're kind of part of the problem a little bit. I mean, they you know, it's not their fault they're making all this money, but they're certainly benefiting from the system the way it is, and and. You know the, the the amount of money that is out there and to be made, and and it's it's being made, it's not being made by everybody. Yeah, the players are starting to share in it, but let's face it: when you're talking about you know billions of dollars being tossed around and profits and things like that, players are nowhere near getting that. I'm okay with them getting their share. I have no problem with that. I think that's long overdue. I just think that the way the system is now, and again, I don't have an answer for it. Um, we have to do something, and like you said, Ken, no, no. No stupid ideas, just stupid people with ideas. <laughs> yeah, that, that's Henry. very true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Let's get into the playoff games from yesterday. Trent, we'll start with you. We'll start, obviously, with the Rose Bowl because that was first. I, did, I mean, no one likes the play call at the end of the game in overtime running Milton into a brick wall <laughs> uh, up the middle. But uh, your thoughts on the Rose Bowl, Trent? Boy, oh, boy, I thought Alabama had them. Yeah, it, uh, unfortunately, it'll be one of the few times we remember a center in a football game. Bad yep. snap yeah, throughout that one. Point. First half looked like he figured it out, but really the final play of the game, a low snap. They had an RPI option with a running back coming out on a swing pass, and I saw a behind uh, view of that play. It was blocked beautifully. So Milrow was supposed to basically fake inside, dart to his left, and that's where it was blocked, and it was blocked beautifully. He would have walked into the end zone. The timing was off, didn't have an option to look out there, and obviously didn't have an option to get out to the left and get into the end zone. The play call was there, the snap was bad, and that will probably be a big memory of this game. Bad center play. Not very often that's your takeaway. No, that's very true that the center sticks out. Uh, Bama, your thoughts on the Rose Bowl? Yeah, I thought it was a really good game. I've seen off, you know, Mil- you know, again, the haters are out there, you know, talking about Milrow and oh, Bill O'Brien was right. I mean, that listen, these are just those are ignorant opinions and it's a lazy narrative in my opinion. Did he struggle yesterday? He did. He was also under pressure a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, they couldn't figure anything out. Um, Caden Proctor, as it turns out, um, from what I've been reading, uh, you know, tore his uh, a ligament in his ankle. Oh, no. In practice, and he played the entire game. Now, you can argue whether that was a smart decision or not to put him out there, because he, and he did look like he struggled at times. Um, yep. I did see a comment that, uh, you know, Milrose should win a gold glove for having to field so many grounders. 
yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was it was unbelievable, and it's been that way all year. And I don't know what I don't know how in, in week fourteen, but I thought both teams tried to give it away. Michigan special teams were horrendous. Um, I thought you know the we, the botch punt led to Alabama's first touchdown, and my God, that kid fielding the ball and muffing it at the five with yes. twenty seconds left. Oh my goodness. I about came out of my chair on that one, and because I thought not only did he, you know, that ball rolls another yard, it's in the end zone, and that's probably a safety at that point, and that's that probably ends the game. And then he took a really wicked hit, um, you know, once he once he gathered it back up. But uh, Michigan, I thought, tried to give it away a couple of times. I give Harbaugh a ton of credit. I mean, he went for it on fourth down with what three and a half minutes left. Mm-hmm. That was on his own thirty. He doesn't. They don't make that play, you know. They got to burn all their timeouts, but I mean, gutsy. I mean, just really gutsy. Um, we talked about the snaps and the the offensive line play. I thought the biggest penalty of the game was Alabama's illegal formation because man, they were driving when they were up four. It was I think seventeen to thirteen, and they were driving with about five and a half minutes, and they come out and they get an illegal formation penalty, and that just stalled the drive, and uh, yeah. Riker ultimately kicked the field goal. But two more first downs, there, guys, and that game's over. I mean, it's mm-hmm. over. Michigan had to burn them, burn all three timeouts, and one more ends the game, and that kind of led to the you know the way Alabama couldn't stop them in the red zone, and I think that was really surprising. They they did they did. I thought they made some good adjustments and they played well, kind of between the twenties. But man, Michigan once they got down there, they all four touchdowns. I think they scored uh, in the red zone down there. And then you mentioned the last play, and I agree with you, Trent. I mean, I think I think it's blocked well, mm-hmm. but he had to field a low snap, and then he got tripped by his offensive lineman uh, because the timing was off. And um, just but listen, those are the little those are the margins. I would have loved to have known had he gotten in on that play when Alabama had gone for two. Yep. They've just kept the game. Oh, going. I think they were going to. I think they were going to go for two. Now I haven't seen anything. Saban hasn't said anything. I don't know if the pest question was posed to him or not. I think they go for two because you're going to have to do that in the next series anyway. Um, and just because they weren't stopping Michigan in the red zone, I just think they might have tried to end the game there. And man, would that have been fun? But we'll never know. Yeah, Corum carried the ball twice in the, uh, in the yeah. touchdown in, in overtime. You're right, they weren't stopping yeah. him. Uh, let's get nope. to the Sugar Bowl. Obviously, the ending was just uh, mind-numbingly bad by Caleb DeBoer and what, <laughs> what they were doing and the series of events to keep Texas in this thing was just uh, – it was hard to fathom uh, watching it with my own two eyes. I couldn't believe that what I thought was going to happen and they were going to give this game away. But let's do the positives. Trent Michael Penix was out of his mind good. Uh, boy, oh, boy, he fun to watch and that, that trio of receivers as you mentioned earlier yeah. got to give credit to Washington's offensive line they did a really nice job I think uh, keeping Murphy and Sweat for the most part in check which is very difficult to do as they're really good uh, Washington your thoughts on the Sugar Bowl Trent? You know we talked a lot about kind of the end of game and we'll leave that one for Bama and he could give his thoughts on that a little bit earlier in the program but Washington's just so fun to watch I'm watching Penix mm-hmm. do his thing and doesn't matter if it's the high throw there's something about those lefty quarterbacks they're they're just different they're fun to watch and it's 
the way the ball comes out of his hand, it just looks so smooth and so consistent every single time. It's a sight to behold, and you got an Iowa guy running that offense and Ryan Grubb. <laughs> Come home, Ryan. We want you back here. Uh, that aside, <laughs> not going to happen. But it was uh, it's just such an enjoyable brand of football. You know, my wife and I were just joking watching the game. Wait, look at these things you can do when you actually are trying offensively. It's a little bit different than what we were watching <laughs> earlier. Obviously, the slugfest that was the Rose Bowl and then into what we saw in that nightcap. Just fun, entertaining football. Washington, easy team to root for. No, they clearly are. Bama, your thoughts on the Sugar Bowl? Yeah, I thought Washington, what really surprised me, we talked about this, I think, uh, Friday, the last time we spoke, previewing this, was, you know, could they make plays downfield? And they did. I, I didn't think they would be able to hold up. To that Texas pass rush, and I thought there would have to be more, you know, jet sweeps, you know, quick, you know, slants, bubble screens, that kind of thing. But they held up physically, and that really surprised me. I give Washington a ton of credit for that. I give Texas a ton of credit for coming back. Um, the kid, the transfer from Georgia, I can't remember his name. It's escaping me right now. Uh, number the one that caught the last touchdown for Texas. I mean, that kid just makes oh, the big freshman? play after big play. Or yeah. sophomore, whatever, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yes, and Xavier Worthy is good. Just talent all over the field, but Ken, you're right. I'm sitting there watching this game, and I'm like, what are you doing? First of all, why is Penix in the shotgun? Obviously, he didn't have a chance to watch the Rose Bowl, but I'm just sitting there going, I watched Jalen Milrow field about eight ground balls <laughs> in the shotgun. I mean, if that thing gets away and they have a bad snap, why aren't you under center? And why aren't you just kneeling? Why are you handing off? And you mentioned the injury. Listen, you can't blame the kid for getting hurt. Okay, you know it could have been his foot. I don't. I don't. I haven't seen a status of the injury or anything else. But he was obviously in a lot of pain. That stops the clock. And Texas was out of timeouts. Just kneel the football and punt it with 15 seconds left. You know. Then the only thing you really have to worry about is the center. You know, snap to the punter. Other than that, everything's good, and they came so close to blowing that game with a six-point lead, and, I mean, that would have been one that you never get over as a player or as a coach, but somehow they figured it out. But the overall thing to me was I was really – you mentioned Penix. He, it is it is a sight to behold. It's like watching you know, Picasso paint when he throws the mm. football. It is just a thing of beauty. Everything is a spiral. You know, his received the uh, Odunze, oh my goodness, is that guy, is he unbelievable? I mean, he is going to be a great pro. I've seen some projections that he should be ahead of Marvin Harrison. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, but, man, th- that combination is almost unstoppable. Michigan's going to have their hands full with that next Monday night. But to me, the overall thing was just how Washington was able to hang in physically with what I thought was – I thought Texas was the favorite to win the whole thing because I thought they had enough in the passing game and I thought they were physical enough on either side of the ball to beat anybody in the pool in the tournament. Um, obviously that didn't happen. And, um, you know, listen, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see Penix versus McCarthy in the championship game. Ooh, I was, baby. I was really, yeah, that's fun. I was really surprised how Washington was able to hold up physically because I didn't think that could happen. Yeah, and I was really surprised how well J.J. McCarthy had uh, played uh, in the uh, in the Rose Bowl because I didn't think he had that kind of game left in him. I thought there was a nagging injury there. Bama, I hate to say it, you got Friday off, which bothers the <laughs> heck out of me, uh, but we'll reconvene on Monday. And then Trent let out a little nugget last week, and I filed it away. He said something about doing his homework in advance of 2024. Mm-hmm. When I get back, I think we'll probably do – 
maybe a preview of the newcomers coming into this conference, how they think. I don't want to let it linger too far into January with college football being over, but uh, uh, we're not done with you yet, Bama. We got Monday (laughs) and then one more after that, and then we'll grudgingly bring the curtain down. Bama, have a good week. Thank you for doing this as always, brother. Always appreciate it, guys, and uh, always happy to help on anytime you need me. Talk to you next Monday. Thank you, Bama. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you. Yep, good to talk to you. Bama, Bob, Trent, and I as we uh, take a look back at the weekend in college football. What a weekend it was. Well, except in the locals. It right, wasn't yeah. so good. <laughs> but everything else was pretty fun. We'll take a time out. Speaking of the locals, John Bowenkamp covers one of them. We'll do that. We'll do the basketball as well with John, uh, both men's and women's. We come back, and then Trent's play of the day still to come. Circus Sports sponsors that. It's Miller and Condon. We are on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Maybe you're thinking about franchising your business or purchasing a franchise. There's an experienced and trustworthy franchise lawyer right in your backyard. Don't waste your time or money searching for a lawyer out of state when Rush Niggett is here and ready to help your business. Hi, I'm Rush. I've specialized in business and franchise law for the past 25 years. I don't just want to be your lawyer. I want your business to succeed as much as you do. Your business needs Rush. Visit his award-winning blog at RushOnBusiness.com. That's selectquote.com slash commercials. Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book. Right at your fingertips, Circa Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circa Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit CircaSports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800. Sounded so good. If you have a low interest rate on your property and a lower tolerance for tenants, then you have two choices. Sell it and say goodbye to a great investment or keep it. Hold on to that rate and let the professional landlords at Renner's Warehouse manage it for you. Why hire Renner's Warehouse? Because we free you to do the things you love, like take a vacation, have dinner with your family, or acquire more properties to achieve more financial independence. You already know that renting delivers cash flow, appreciation, and tax benefits. Renter's Warehouse also frees you from finding tenants, collecting rent, and handling those annoying 3 a.m. maintenance calls. The choice is yours. Sell your property, keep DIYing everything, or hire Renter's Warehouse to get the best of all worlds. You're free to cancel within 90 days and even get your management fees back. Go to renterswarehouse.com today to book your free home rental price analysis or call 515-528-40foofing.net. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. John Bowenkamp momentarily covers Iowa for the Associated Press, HawkeyeNation.com and IowaCollegeHoops.com. Trent, just real quick on the from, from last uh, night, the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Jack Harbaugh, or Jim Harbaugh, looks so much like his old man. Yeah. It's uncanny to me, isn't it? Wild. I mean, it, it just, you can imagine, fast forward 20 years, and that's You're what right. Jim Harbaugh is exactly going to look like him. Yeah, I saw that shot of him, and uh, Jim's mom on the sideline there, yeah. and they talked about changing seats, and that changed the luck of the Wolverines there. But yeah, that was exactly the same takeaway that I had. <laughs> uh, speaking of takeaways from that, too, did you see Connor Stallions was in the no. Rose Bowl? Yeah, he was... Uh, 
Had pretty good seats, it looked like. Just a couple rolls up behind the Michigan bench. Now, how, who, who found him? Did the, the, the TV camera find him, or did somebody else? Was he pointed out? Was he busted? I just saw it was retweeted by Dan Wolken gotcha. of USA Today. There was a picture of him there. So that's where I found it. But don't think the TV cameras found him that I remember. No, the TV cameras found a gal on uh, Bourbon Street last yeah, night, though, doing what they do to get, claim those beads, and that didn't go over well, apparently. <laughs> so let's get John Har- or John Bowenkamp, not John Harbaugh. John Bowenkamp covers Iowa. Wisconsin-Iowa, 6 o'clock tip tonight, 1040 WHO has the radio call of that one. Big Ten Network has the television. But before we get into basketball, let's recap football. Happy New Year, John Bowenkamp. How are you? How are you? Happy New Year. I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. And I uh, guess one of the same saving graces about staying home from Orlando is unlike the majority of the media and a lot of the fans that travel down, you're not going through the nightmares of getting home. I guess Orlando TSA is just a disaster this morning, John, but you're home in fine fashion. See, this is why I don't fly, you know? So it's, it's I mean, I, you know, I remember, I remember one time somebody told me that that was like the worst bowl game to go to just for this reason, because they said, the day after the game is when everybody's coming home from, you know, holiday vacation or whatever, and it's just a madhouse. And today it sounds like it, and I'm glad I didn't have to deal with it. So. No, I don't blame you one little bit. So let's get back. Let's uh, recap the Citrus Bowl before we, you know, move forward to basketball. Obviously, the, the talker yesterday was uh, Marco Linez finally getting his opportunity after Deacon Hill fumbles and uh, throws a pick six and gets picked off in the end zone. What might have been seven nothing Iowa? Who knows how it turns or if it would have? If it would, it might have been thirty five to seven. We don't know. But Linez finally getting his opportunity, John. It's really been a bugaboo of the Ferentz era, going back all the way to. Kyle McCann and Brad Banks, just his reluctance uh, to play the backup quarterback at any time. He was finally almost forced to yesterday, but I don't think he wanted to, John. No, I really don't. And I mean, I mean, you know, and I said this during the season, that there was another Deacon Hill game where, where when, when he really started to lose the ball, whether it was fumbles or interceptions or whatever, that I, I, I go back to, you know, Kirk saying, you know, the one thing that he can't do is turn the ball over. And it's like when he started doing that, he started thinking, okay, is there, you know, is there some other way you can, you know, is there somebody else you can put in there? And he just did not want to do it. But by the time it got to that point yesterday where it was no other choice, the game was pretty much over at that point. And yeah, go back to that first interception. If they get those early points, who knows what happens the rest of the game? Like you said, they could, you know, they, they could have put it in the lockbox and won seven method or they used 35 cents. You know. But, um, yeah, the, it was a mystery yesterday, and I remember it was – I think it was after the fumble in, in, in near, the, near the end zone, which they converted into a touchdown. That was when I pretty much said that when you get, in my mind I was thinking, you've got to get him out of there. You've got to try something different. And, you know, <laughs> I thought Marco was, was, was good. I mean, you know, for what, for what he did. I mean, obviously he didn't, didn't complete a lot of passes. It was – a really bad situation for him, but but I thought he handled himself fairly well out there. Yeah, it's just been a continued, con, just a frustrating time with the quarterback position. But change is here. Brian Ferentz is out as offensive coordinator. We hope to have a new name out there within the next couple of weeks. That was That's what Kirk said while he was down there, second or third week in January, as when he would anticipate 
there's a lot of back and forth. You know, change. What is change with this Iowa offense? I've argued that we've had three coordinators and three different looking offenses with the basic tenets remaining the same. How much change right. do you anticipate? Or at this point, is Kirk almost too hands-on? He's not going to give the flexibility to a new coordinator to make the real change that needs to happen. I, I mean, I think there's going to be some change. I don't think it's going to be drastic. I don't think when game one gets here, they're going to roll out five wide receivers and just throw the ball around for the whole game. That's not going to happen. Um, but, I mean, a lot's just going to depend on who he hires. And, I mean, as I've said before when we've talked about it, he's gonna. I know he's going to hire somebody that he knows yep. or at least has a working knowledge of. And, you know, it's not going to be this radical change just, you know, that everybody thinks needs to happen. I think it's going to be a very very similar to what they do now. It's just going to be, I mean, in my mind, there's just a lot of things there that besides play calling, it's developing quarterbacks. It's mm-hmm. developing, keeping this offensive line back to the status or the standard, I should say, that, 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 that this program has had over the years. If you do a lot of those things, you're a better offense. But but yesterday, I mean, you saw that with, with you know, obviously you, you haven't developed quarterbacks. You saw the drop passes yesterday. The offensive line didn't play. There were a lot of things yesterday that said this offense needs a change and it just needs to be fundamentally sound again, and it wasn't like that the whole season. Yeah, you're right. Caleb Brown uh, uh, had a couple of drops in the football game and certainly want to take see him take a step forward in this offseason. What, uh, were you surprised when Luke Lachey said he's coming back for another go-around? Yeah, um... Kind of, but then again, I mean, I mean, obviously with the injury he had, that was going to hurt his stock a little bit, and I think he just figured he's better off coming back, showing everybody he's healthy. I mean, clearly there, there's always that injury risk, but I think he just thought it was a better opportunity for him to come back, and I and I do think it's going to make that offense a lot better just to get the healthy, good tight ends that they've had in the past, and I think that really hurt you know where this the progression of this offense this year when he and Eric Hall got hurt. Got to get that offense revved up once again. The defense has a chance to be outstanding. What are you hearing outside of, obviously, Jay Higgins is coming back defensively. Sebastian Castro, uh, Quinn Schulte, Nick Jackson, a potential of him coming back. Jamari Harris, there's still a long line of guys and a chance to be really good on that side of the football. What are you hearing about some of those other decisions? How quickly do you think we're going to hear? I think we'll know most of them probably by the end. I would imagine by the end of the week. Hmm. I mean, I, I think, and I, and I think part of that is just to help. I, I mean, there's there's obviously a roster crunch right now, and 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 it's like I, I really expect most of those guys, if not all of them, to come back um, because I mean, who knows what their stock is right now? Now, Nick Jackson's the one that maybe maybe he just says, okay, it's time to go. But the other ones, I think they all come back, and I think they give another shot. And I think this defense is just going to be really, really good next year because you're going to get a lot of those guys back. Uh, any more on football, Trent? Move to basketball? Yeah, ready for hoops. Ladies first, John Bowen Camp. We saw All right. uh, the uh, Iowa women knock off Minnesota. I believe you were in the building to take that one yeah. in with your own two eyes. Caitlin Clark did what she normally does. Other than Caitlin Clark, your biggest takeaway on that game would have been whom? Hannah Stokey. I thought she just looked really good, and I think she's kind of gotten back into a rhythm after being hurt here a few weeks ago. You can kind of see how she's playing right now. Um, Kate Martin obviously is really good. They got to get Gabby Marshall's offense yeah. going, but yep. defensively, I thought she was really good the other day. And I mean, she shut down 
Minnesota's best player, and I, and, and I thought you know, that is going to be her main contribution. But whatever she give them on the offensive end, <coughs> excuse me, and she's good, and she's good enough to do that. She could get them a lot of points in that. And if you could kind of open up that off the, the other opposing defense. I think that's going to make this really even just a better team, but she's got to be more consistent on the offensive end. New season starts now for the Iowa men's team. It's Wisconsin, one of the better teams in the Big Ten. Uh, a road trip up to Madison. There's been a couple of high points, mostly low points, though, against the Badgers. They dig themselves an 0-3 hole, John. We've talked about this mm. a little bit the next couple of weeks. Digging out of it in this Big Ten, even though there's wins to be had, might not be enough. An important one. You still won here. Boy, our conversation changes. How do they steal one in Wisconsin tonight? I, I, I'm just just be. I mean, the one thing about them this year, and I go back to what I was saying about football, the fundamental soundness. They don't turn the ball over. They don't nope. make mistakes. They don't do some of those things. If you can do that, <coughs> excuse me. If you can do that against Wisconsin, <laughs> you have a really good chance of winning. So they've got it. They've got to be able to handle their defense, handle some of the things they do. But you're right. This is, this is a big week for them. You don't want to be 0-4. 1-3 and 3 is kind of sort of livable, but you don't want to be 0-4. And if you get tonight, that puts you in a situation where after Saturday, if you're 2-2, two and two, now things look a little different. So I do think this is a pivotal game one way or the other. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, John, we're, we're starting to see Brock Harding. I'm not saying that the light bulb is, is burning bright or shining bright, but it's starting to flicker a little bit when you watch him. How, how much will Fran McCaffrey use him early in Big Ten play? Does he take advantage of kind of his minutes uh, here at the end of non-con? And, uh, positive minutes, I thought, at the end of non-con. Does he oh, yeah. build on that? How much opportunity for Harding, John? I think he gets a few more minutes, but I think you really need position. Out of that position, you need all of those guys to play well. And so if, if one of them stumbles, you're going to see more minutes out of Brock Harding. You see more Sante Bowen minutes if he can play as, as he played the other night. But in Brock Harding's case, I mean, I, I just think it's going to be how he handles defenses because it is going to get more physical that he hasn't seen right now. And so that, to me, is going to be the next big test for him is how he can learn from you know, learn from playing in these in these conference games on how tough it's going to be because they're going to they're going to push him around a little bit. It's games are called that way, so he's got to be ready for that. John Bowenkamp, Associated Press, HawkeyeNation.com, IowaCollegeHoops.com. John, thanks for jumping on. We appreciate it. Uh, we will talk to you in the weeks ahead. Again, Happy New Year, John Bowenkamp. Thank you. Glad to be on. Thanks. Have a good one. See you. Yep, you do the same. Good to talk to you as we catch up uh, with our buddy Bowenkamp. All right, Trent, we'll take a timeout. You've got some plays mm-hmm. to make. Uh, Drake plays tonight. They're at home, Illinois State. Uh, I believe they're 2-0 and in conference play as well, so pretty big game tonight. Uh, that's tonight, right? It's 8 yeah, o'clock, it yeah. 8 good, o'clock, yeah. Good tip time there, 6 o'clock with Iowa, 8 o'clock for the Bulldogs. They're a big favor, 12 and a half the number against they the really? Redbirds. So big number there, Iowa, six, uh, five and a half's out there right now. Is with that the enough? Uh, we will get to that one in a moment. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, so will Trent's plays of the day include the Iowa-Wisconsin game? Circus Sports sponsor those. Miller and Condon, time out. Come back, wrap up a Tuesday edition on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. bets off. Last summer, my house was hit with hail. Between assessing damage on the roof and dealing with insurance, it can be a stressful situation. Luckily for me, it wasn't stressful because I called my friends with Wolf Roofing. We were able to get a new roof on our family home in one day. It looked sharp, everything was cleaned up, 
And now we have peace of mind with our new roof. Set up your next roofing project with Wolf Roofing at 515-225-8866. Or you can go online at wolfroof.com slash J-O-Y. Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book. Right at your fingertips. Circa Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circa Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit CircaSports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Trent's Pick of the Day is brought to you by Circus Sports. Download the Circus Sports app today to play with Trent or against him. All right, final couple of minutes here on the Tuesdays. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Murph and Andy, top of the hour, the drive with Heather and Sean. Uh, back from 3 until 6. While Circus Sports sponsors Wisconsin, Iowa. Wisconsin, a six-point favorite in Madison uh, roughly tonight. Let's get those plays of the day. How many and who are they? So we got five plays in total, three games and two totals. And I got both sides of the Iowa-Wisconsin game. Look, I'm laying the points here with Wisconsin. I know it's going to be the public side. I know I'm not going to be alone in this one. Just have not seen enough out of this Iowa team against even a competent opponent to believe that they're going to be able to hang around against the Wisconsin team that, though they're inconsistent, they have not been, I, I thought maybe they'd be a tick better than they are. They're still very solid. Crawl inside is going to be a problem. We talked about yep. Store earlier. Tyler Wall seems like he always plays well against Iowa. Hepburn and Klesmit in the backcourt. I said earlier, Klesmit, he's going to knock down some threes as he's been struggling. So I'm going to take that. Also going to play the over. It's 152.5. A dirty little secret. Not an elite Wisconsin team, as you're kind of accustomed to. They're okay, but not what they have been in the past. And they've been really efficient offensively this year. So expect to see some points tonight. We'll take Wisconsin minus the six and the over there. We got a mid-afternoon game for some reason in the Mountain West. Well, I've got to jump aboard with that, right? A little afternoon betting in Colorado Springs. Give me Air Force plus the seven and a half in a sleepy spot against Utah State. Uh, Going to take Central Michigan tonight against a Buffalo team that's just absolutely brutal. 1-12 on the season. Give me Central Michigan a slight favorite, minus 1.5. And, and one total also from the Maction in hoops tonight. Going to take the under in Western Michigan against Miami of Ohio. No Northwestern Illinois play for you. You know, that was one that I looked at for a long time. It's just kind of that great unknown Playing mm-hmm. without Shannon, what yep. are they going to look like? So many times you see teams early on when a guy is suspended or injured, whatever it is, kind of play a little bit above what they actually are. So that's why it was a stay away there. Just kind of a stinky line in that one. So didn't do anything there. Didn't do anything in the Purdue-Maryland game. I got close to a Purdue pick. Just couldn't get there laying the six and a half. So ended up just with a nice even five for the day. And It's been a good month, so we're looking to uh, continue after December was incredibly profitable. We'll try to do the same here in January. So who comes up next after Iowa-Wisconsin on BTN? Do you know? I'm not sure. I hadn't taken a peek at the schedule. Because the Purdue-Maryland game, that's a peacock. Oh, is it? Which isn't such a bad thing, uh, Trent. He's online. I'm saving my you-know-what. Uh-huh. Watching these games is out on the road. Good stuff. Uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow. Cappy's going to be with us. Mitch Holtz is the voice of the Chiefs. Try and get Bill Seals in here, and Scott Dockerman should be back. Murph and Andy are next. The Drive with Heather and Sean, 3-6. to six. We're Miller and Condon weekdays from 11-1 to 1 on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KX. And yeah, no.